This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community, for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host, rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri, by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week, and we talk about your mind, your attitude, how that affects what you do as an athlete, as a coach, as a fan, as a referee. I've been in practice in my 41st year as a sports psychologist in the Kansas City area, my 30th year of radio, my 20th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I love doing this show because, you know, we talk about – success and failure on this show we talk about winning and losing we talk about people and i've been privileged to have had so many people join me in the studio at an early hour i might say here in kansas city when we do the show and today i've got a very special man sitting across the table from me i'm going to introduce him in a moment you know when i do this show i try to bring on people who understand sports understand life understand what winning and losing mean because in the bigger scheme of things it's really not about the score at the end of the game it's about how you feel and if, you, if you've listened to the show and to the, our podcasts, which are, by the way, everywhere, all the apps have our podcasts, and you can find them all over as well as on my website, winnersunlimited.com. I've got about, I think, about nine years of podcasts on there now. Um, podcasts are great, by the way, you know, because you, radio, you, you do the show, and then it's done. But podcast is there forever, which could be good or bad, depending on what you say. But anyway, I, I, I always am interested in talking to people who are successful in life, not just sports. And sitting across the table from me is an individual who I think epitomizes all that. His name's Coach Rocky Lamar. He's the head basketball coach at Mid-American Nazarene College here in Kansas City in his 45th year of coaching. I could spend probably the whole show reading his bio and all the statistics and successes he's had. But the one that I like the most is his consecutive free throw record which we were just talking about. So, Coach, thanks for joining me this morning. I really appreciate you getting up and coming in today. Well, I'm thrilled to be here, and um, hopefully we can have a lot of fun this morning. Well, let, let's just talk about why do you coach? Why do you, You've coached so long. You, you're, you're in the NAI Hall of Fame. You've done all these great things. You've won all these championships. But why do you do it? You know, I, I think the biggest reason why I do it is I am a firm believer in building relationships, and I love the sports world period, loved the game of basketball. And when I was in about eighth grade, a man by the name of Coach Bill Fleming came to Maquoketa, Iowa. And uh, he, he's who I was under. And I made up my mind then that, hey, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to coach and help to mold young men and help them become, hopefully, great Christian young men in this very, very difficult age. What was it about him that inspired you? I, ju- I think just his work ethic, you know, uh, he just expected you to get out and get after it. And 
you know, I you see my size. I'm five foot ten, not very big. Now I got a big belly on me, but I knew that in order to compete, you know, at any level, I was going to have to really outwork everyone. And uh, it's amazing what you can do if you're just willing to put in a little bit of effort and hard work. And coach instilled that in me. I agree with you 100 percent on that. In t- today's life, we have so many people who coach youth sports who I think are not in it for the right reasons. It's about their egos. And I've, I've talked on this show so many times about uh, youth sport coaches who go crazy, who've done, you know, treat kids the wrong way. You've coached forever. And I've been, we're the same age. We've been around the same amount of time. We grew up in the 60s, you know, and things are different now. Would you agree with me on that in terms of youth sports and just the emphasis and focus on it? Oh, there, there's no doubt. I mean, and, and in so many instances, um, for example, kids, they almost have to make up their mind what sport they're going to play when they're five years old. And yeah, kid, isn't, isn't it, that crazy? A kid can't do that. I mean, I, I was a four-sport letterman in high school. I got to play all the time, but play all the sports. But I also managed to put in my work on the basketball court. So I, I think kids are willing to, to really work if you, if you give them the opportunity. But for crying out loud, don't put them in a box already and say, hey, this is what you got to do. Well, yeah, and, and I've talked about that forever on this show. Why do you feel we're at, we've gone to that point? Because, yeah, you have to train now starting at five or six. You get into a sport. You just have to focus on this if you want to be good, if you want to make your middle school or junior high team. And God forbid, make the high school team. You better train year-round. What's, uh, what's wrong with that in your uh, opinion? Well, First, I think you have to play all – I mean, I'm a firm believer in, you know, we have the gym open all the time. I want kids in there playing all the time. There's no doubt about that. I want them to play. But on the other hand, I want them to get away as well. Um, And for me to think that a kid, well, man, from five years old, he doesn't know at five years old what he wants to do. I mean, at five years old, I love sports, but I thought I loved baseball, you know, and I, I, lo- I do love baseball. Big Cardinals fan, by the way. Sorry, Kansas City Royals. <laughs> I won't hold that against you. As, as a former sports psychologist for the Royals, I will not hold that against you. Uh, do, oh, by the way, do you remember 1985? Uh, Don, Don Dinkinger? Do you think I remember? <laughs> but, yes, um, I am. I just think we put way too much pressure on kids at a young age. This is what you've got to do constantly. Let them go out and play. Be kids, to be honest. Well, as the uh, co-author of Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and After Two Youth Sports with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone, we talk in the book extensively about that. And I've mentioned earlier this year several times there was an interview uh, with Roger Federer and Alex Morgan earlier this year and interviewed them in an article. Both of them said they didn't start to specialize in tennis and soccer respectively until they were 14 or 15. They played everything. And I think that's a great thing. I, I mentioned as we started, I was the KU's first sports psychologist back in the 80s. I spent a time working with the basketball team with Larry Brown. And Larry said a lot of things that I remember, but one specifically was that all kids should play a team sport and an individual sport. And he said because a team sport teaches you about sharing, working together. Individual sports teach you about self-confidence. What's, what are your thoughts on that? I agree with that 100%. I think that's, uh, and of course, I've never heard it before, but I'm in total agreement with it. You know, I'm, I love the game of golf, which I think is an individual sport, but it, it, it pales in comparison to basketball because of the relationships you get to build. And I really think that's what sports and everything is all about, is the relationships that you build. You know, and, and our, in my Mid-American Nazarene, uh, of course, the relationship with Christ is the most important, but then building a relationship with your family and with your teammates is so important, and that's what really makes you a good team. Joining me this morning is Coach Rocket Lamar from Mid-American Nazarene College. 
one of the winningest basketball coaches in college basketball. He's in the NAIA Hall of Fame. He's won dozens of championships. He's been successful at all levels of what he does. But I wanted to talk to him about who he is and why he does this. So let me ask you, Coach, why do you coach? What's the reason you you do this and work with young people? Well, um, I think uh, I think I first got in it to to say, hey, man, I, I think that I can help young people. I think I can grow them as people. I can have them leave whichever school I was at. If it was in high school, if it was in college, I want to want them to leave my program knowing they can go into the world and hopefully we've given them something that will help them be very successful as they grow up in life. Because unfortunately, not very many people get to do sports for their whole life, which you know has been a blessing for me. And so being able to grow young men and being able to grow young men and have them be the kind of man I want them to be uh, is probably the reason why. And I think that, like I told you, I've said this three or four times already, is relationship building is so, so key to my, the way and, we do things. And I know for you, before we go to our break here, I know for you, you coach many people and now you're coaching their kids. They come to your camps. So that says worlds about you as a person. Well, it's, it's really fun, uh, especially at my camps. Uh, we have people who come and now we've even had kids whose kids are coming so it, it's really fun um and they just keep coming back you know and, and we are an old school camp so. i'm sports psychologist dr andrew jacobs my guest this morning is coach rock lamar from mid-american nazarene college here in the kansas city area one of the top basketball coaches in the country but i'm talking to him more about who he is rather than the wins i'm sports psychologist dr andrew jacobs this is the sports psychology hour this is the sports psychology hour This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Music supplied by Blake Schneider is my wonderful producer who gets up every week to come in here and be here and give us motivating music. Joining me today is Rocky Lamar. He's the head coach at Mid-American Nazarene University in Olathe, Kansas. i got to get that correct, Coach. Um, we're talking about his career, about his philosophy. What is? Let me ask this question: What's your definition of winning, and what's your definition of losing? Wow, I know it's early, but I ask tough yeah, questions. Sometimes. That that is a tough question. You know, um, you sit there and you know good and well as a coach. I know good and well it's not what's on the scoreboard. You know, it's how the kids are when they're through. When when I'm through with them, what kind of people are they? And sometimes. Even though on the scoreboard you may get beat, in the long run, you're going to win with those kids if they can buy in to what you want them to do, which is to be great kids in a great society and with great families. That's the whole idea. Very few of them are going to have basketball in their lives after they leave college. And so the idea is to make them productive in our world, and so I think we do a pretty good job of that. I, I wish I could go into all the kids who, hey, this guy's a millionaire, this guy's, but I can't do that, of course. But anyway, but I how, don't know but if that's how, either. But how have you done that? How have you, you've, you've coached, you're in your 45th year, you're retiring this year to, yeah. go, to spend time on the golf course, which I am envying you. Wow. Um, but, but how have you done that? How have you achieved that? And you've, you've worked with so many people throughout your career, and you've had so much success. What's, what's your secret to that success? You know, I think you don't put them in a box. Um, you, first of all, you let kids play. Uh, and you tell them that, hey, if you make a mistake, 
and you go through life and you're always worried about making a mistake, then you can rest assured that you're, if you never make a mistake, you're going to get your paycheck from somebody who does. And so we try to allow them the opportunity to grow and know that, hey, if you make a mistake, make the next play, and we're going to be fine. If somebody throws the ball out of bounds, do you take them out of the game and put them on the bench, or do you let them keep playing? Oh, they get to keep playing. I mean, uh, if they do it two or three times in a row, well, that's... then you put them on the bench and you talk to them very politely and say, hey, we are wearing, you know, if they throw it to the wrong color, we, you make sure they know, hey, we're wearing, you know, red, white, and blue. Throw it to one of our guys. Don't throw it to them. <laughs> but anyway, uh, in fact, um, I, I don't know if this has anything to do with it. A young man, we had a scrimmage a couple of days ago. Uh, and our kids, we, we just lost a young man through eligibility. We're working with him, trying to have him figure out how he can get eligible for the second semester. But all of a sudden, we go into this scrimmage, and we practice with this kid all fall, and now we don't have him. He's gone. He's gone, but he's there. We keep, right. him, we keep him involved. We took him to the scrimmage. You know, he's a great young man. And one of the guys who's on the team and has been on the team, his name is Jake Alexander, and as a freshman, he was really, really good. You know, we make the national tournament. I was very proud of him. And then he had his sophomore slump. And so I worry about him. I put my arm around him. say, hey, Jake, are you okay? And we got through at the scrimmage, and we visited. He said, Coach, this is the most fun I've ever had playing basketball. And if you had asked him a year ago, he would have said, I'm miserable, you know. But I think that he finally got himself out of the way and said, hey, man, I'm just going to get really, really good at this. So, so what changed to make it fun? For him, well, you know, I I think it's just that he made up his mind that hey, I am going to do what they ask of me, and know that he has faith in me. I mean, a year ago, his dad had to talk him off the fence a couple of times because Jake was, is what I was telling him, and Jake told me he said, Coach, every time I'd call Dad, Dad would say, I don't understand, Coach Lamar, why is he playing you? And, you know, we just didn't give up on Jake. And so he's come a long ways. I'm really, really proud of him. He's probably going to come off the bench again this year, and, you know, and, and that's the way it is. But, boy, he was so good in the scrimmage, and we were so proud of him. So, so winning and success basically means what, then, in your, in your philosophy and what you've taught kids over the years? Because you've won, you've, you've won all these championships. You've, you're, you're in the Hall of Fame. You've coached, you know, all these years. But what, what does it really mean? Well, it's <laughs> – you know, I, I don't. I don't want to talk about um, legacy or what you leave behind. I think it's more about what's going to go from when you're done. If that makes any sense. Like, I'm hoping that when I leave Mid America, that the program continues to grow, and we keep bringing in young men who love serving Jesus and love playing basketball and love their families. And that we grow from that. And I believe that that's what's going to happen with the young men who's going to come in and replace me. You've coached so many young young men who are now coaching <laughs> and the philosophy that you've, you've taught them. Um, why do you think it's worked? Because, you, you know, I, I've talked about on this show for years coaches who go ballistic. Um, guys get, get – the University of Iowa coach last year, year before, got a technical, went after a referee on the, on the head to be restrained – then he's all apologetic the next day. Um, the University of Iowa got fined. I think it was $10,000 for breaking the sportsmanship clause. It's the second time he's done that. And I don't think he means to do that. But how do you control that emotion when you're out there? And, and because then, then the kids you're coaching are going to see that. And it's like if you do it, well, why can't I do it? I, I agree with that totally. 
Um, and, you know, when I was a young coach, I think that Larry Holly would tell you, hey, you, you rant and rave still on the sideline. You know, Larry was at William Jewell, who we great friend of mine. But um, I think as a coach, rather than um, you, you got to know where the line is at. Like when I am letting an official know exactly what I think of a call or how he's been calling the game, you can tell. And there has to come a time when you just say, okay, that's it. I'm not going to push this line. I, you know, I'll, I'll bet you in 36 years at Mid-America, I may have had five technical fouls. You know, I, I just don't think you have to have them. But why, okay, uh, why do people go over the edge, though? Because I, I always talk about this, this statement, Rocky. A good coach checks his or her ego at the door. It's not about them. It's about the players. I see, and I think... I think that's completely right. I think they they get so involved. Thank you for for validating me. (laughs) I think they get so involved in, man, this has to be my way or the highway, basically. And I think that's why some coaches fail, you know, because they just say, hey, this is the way we're going to do it, period. Well, this is the way we're going to do it. You're always going to get what you always got, you know. And so I think you have to be willing to adapt to the times and uh, be willing to make some changes, you know, and and, – you have to always run, by the way, to be a great basketball team. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if that's making any sense or not. <laughs> well, I know a lot of kids don't like to run, especially when they screw up. Um, joining me today is Coach Rocco Lamar from Mid-American Nazarene University. And we're talking about his career, his philosophy, and everything that's going on here in, in, in terms of life. We're going to get into that in our next segment. I want to talk about... Rocky, just how with COVID and everything, how that's affected you and how that's affected coaching, because obviously it's affected everybody, how you're going to come back from that. And one of my, a few weeks ago on one of the shows, I talked about how I think especially youth coaches and high school coaches should take a practice. And I I think this applies to college as well. Take a practice once in a while where you don't practice and just sit around as a group and talk, see how everybody's doing. Because I always say a good coach is a, a good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs a sports psychologist. One of my philosophers. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm glad you like that. Joining me is Rocky Lamar, head coach, head basketball coach at Mid-American Nazarene University, retiring in his 45th year of coaching. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the world of your mind, your attitude. And I'm going to get married this week, so we're going to have a good show next week as well. But uh, my fiance Elizabeth, I know, is listening this morning, so I'm anxious to... Uh, Get married to her this week, and mention it on the air. I know she's probably blushing, even oh, though she might she might not. No one's looking at her. Um, you know, Coach. We, we, this has been a very stimulating interview. I'm talking to head coach Rocky Lamar, the head basketball coach at Mid American Nazarene University in Olathe, Kansas. He's one of the winningest basketball coaches in college basketball. He's retiring this year after a, an incredible career. You've coached so many people. Let's talk about youth sports today. Um, it's something I talk about a lot on this show, and I think it's it's. We started off earlier by saying, you know, you mentioned kids starting to play a sport at five have to specialize in that. What do we do to help young people 
understand winning and losing success and failure at younger ages and deal, deal with negativity and failure? And, and how do we get coaches to not put so much pressure on kids to have to win and to be the best all the time at such young ages and learn about failure, learn about negativity, learn about how, because that's, as you, you said earlier, that's part of what we do. You, you know, uh, one of the things that you mentioned, um, and, and you talked about, you know, the the COVID year and how in the world um, have we been coping with it. Well, I, I think one of the ways that you help kids cope is you spend time with them. And um, until COVID, we would um, have the kids come in at least 15 minutes of their time during the week where they'd have to come into the office and we just visit. And we talk about everything. We talk about their home life. We talk about their schoolwork. We talk about if they have a girlfriend. You know, basketball, of course, is mentioned some. And we talk about the relationship with Christ. And what's really been difficult, the COVID year, of course, that stopped because they didn't want you around anyone. And so we're trying to get that back. And I think that helps a kid grow in every aspect of his life where he's sitting there and he gets to talk about everything and lay everything out. And all of a sudden you find out, well, the reason why he's having a tough week is for, you know, maybe a, a sister back home is, is really, really ill or a mom or a dad. And so that's stuff that um, you don't know about, you know, if you're just practicing every day and you don't talk about anything else and you say, hey, man, you, you got to learn to show to the outside on screens. You know, you got to learn to get back on defense. And if you'd never spend any time talking with them about what's going on in their life and how come they're struggling in the classroom, um, then that stuff comes back to bite you in the end. So you've been doing this all along. Yeah. I, I mean, wouldn't stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you've been you've been talking to them about who they are as people rather than just as a basketball player. Well, and, you know, at Mid-America, it's, it's not like it's a big business. Basketball is not a big business at Mid-America. Now, do I think Mid-America is a big business? Absolutely. You know, because we're building young men and young women. And uh, but to, to think that basketball is it no it's it's not like hey if you make a mistake here we're going to take your scholarship away i mean we tell a kid when they come in here you know the only way you can have your scholarship taken away is you don't do the job in the classroom and you are a pain in the rear and and, and very few of them are like that because they know we're on their side but when you have someone like that let's let's get into that for a little bit because let's face it you always see or hear on a basketball team, there's there's somebody. You've got, what, 14, 15 players on your team? Well, this year we have 26. <laughs> okay. Well, in a typical, in a t- 16 varsity guys. Okay. Yeah. All right. So last time I checked, five guys are on the court at once. That's right. That means you've got 26. You've got 21 guys who aren't out there. That's well, right. 16. Okay. So you've got 11 guys who aren't playing. You're going to have, what, four or five guys that will come in during the game probably. That means you've got some guys who aren't happy because they're not playing or they're hurt or what? How do you deal with that? Because that's been that's been one of the things with all the teams I've always worked with. One of the things I, I, I seem to get busiest with are the guys who aren't playing. Now some guys understand their roles. I'm not a starter. I'm a role player. I'm going to come in. And then there are guys who are always angry and ticked off, male and female, because I work with both both sexes on teams. I should be playing. Coach doesn't know what's going on. And I always say you need to go talk to coach. And and my suggestion is. Go in and say, Coach, can we talk? I'd like to talk about how you see me. What do you see with my play? What do I need to do to get better? What are the things I need to do to improve to get better on the court? How do you deal with that? Um, usually, at Mid-America over the years, we play eight. So if I have 16 kids, that means eight of them are probably going to be relatively happy. The other eight are going to be saying, okay, what do I need to get on the floor more? 
And what you find out is they really aren't willing to do those that are in the bottom eight. Either they're either they're not talented enough, which happens. You know, you bring in kids and they just aren't good enough. Although, but, excuse me, but everybody who's there is good because they wouldn't have gotten that far if they weren't absolutely, good. Absolutely, absolutely. But then it's a level of how good you are. That's right. That's right. I mean, uh, for example, Anthony Brown, who's you know all American for us, who's coming back. You know, he's going to have a great end to his career. He's got a couple years left. But when we got him, nobody else is recruiting this kid, and I can could never understand why because he's a great basketball player, and so he's the kind of kid where it's amazing what he's willing to do. You know, he spends untold number of hours in the gym. You know, on his own, he's shooting the ball all the time, and yet he keeps his grades up. And so that kind of kid you love to have, and he also is a great Christian young man. But then you have kids who are on the fringe, you know, who, well, they don't want to put the time in in the gym to get better. And they don't understand what their role is because they may have come from a place where they were the guy. And now all of a sudden they've got to take a a back seat. And those kids who are willing to say, okay, I'm going to take this back seat, but I'm going to be in the very best possible position I can be in so that when my opportunity comes, I'm ready. And, um, I guess that's the best way to describe it as far as, you know, the kids at the bottom eight, you know. Um, well, hey, a good example was in the scrimmage the other day. You know, scrimmage doesn't mean anything. You win, lose, nobody cares. But the last ten minutes, I'm going to play the kids who are on the bottom part of our varsity lineup. And those kids came in and just played their tail off. And so I was so proud of that whole scrimmage, you know, because we I didn't think we were going to do very well because of all the – a uh, problem with losing our starting big guy. And, and, man, every one of those kids came in and bought in and played hard and, and were encouraged with each other and encouraging each other all the time. And and yet we have one young man who he has a tendency to, to, I don't know what to call it, but he just goes out of his mind once in a while, and we have to wrap our arm around him and say, hey, come on. I'll give you my card okay. before we're done today. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay, you know, and, and uh, it, it's a constant struggle with him. And he his his response was, uh, it, it's always me, coach. It's, they're always pick, no, that's not right. And so once we get through to him, in fact, we've told him, hey, when, when something happens to you from now on out, no matter what it is, just say good, because now I'm going to grow from that. So anyway, I, I think I, it, throughout my career with all the teams I've worked with, there are always athletes who aren't happy because they're not playing, they're not getting enough time. And my response to them is, okay, well, you need to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what do I need to do to get, what am I good at? And what are the things I need to get better at? And then you need to go talk with the coaches about their opinions of you and, and what are the things I need to do to get better at? I, I know there was something that stood out to me when I worked with UMKC's, University of Missouri, Kansas City's teams several years ago, or our head coach, Candy Whitaker, one of the best coaches I've ever been with. We spent a lot of time doing team talks with, with the young ladies. And we had one one talk where we went around the room and had everybody evaluate how they thought they were playing. And the best player on the team, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being low and 10 being high, gave herself a 2. The worst player on the team gave herself a 10. And it was sort of interesting. The girl oh, yeah. that gave herself a 10 said, oh, I just think I'm doing awesome. Well, then Coach Whitaker went around, and the one that gave herself a 10 says, you need some help. Dr. Jacobs is right there. You need to start <laughs> talking to him. The, the young lady gave herself a 2, was the best player on the team, went on to play in Europe after she was done but after practice coach she was always there after practice doing extra shooting drills working out on her own and coach Whitaker said 
you know what? If everybody else did that with you, we'd be better. Well, pretty soon, everybody else started doing Most of the other girls started doing that, and we got a lot better. Oh, yeah. She was a role model. Yeah. It's amazing what happens if your best people have the best um, work habits and work ethic. And so... It makes a difference, doesn't it? It makes a huge difference. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning in studio with me is Coach Rocky Lamar from Mid-American Nazarene University. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today on the show is Coach Rocky Lamar from Mid-American Nazarene University here in Olathe, Kansas. Having a great interview with him. I'll tell you, I, I really enjoy talking to people like Coach Lamar because they, they get it. And I'm not saying that because he's sitting across the table from me. Um, but but I mean it. You, Coach, you really get it, and that's why you, you've been so successful. I mean, I, I've worked with so many people through my 40, 41 years of work now, and I'm, I'm around people who are successful, and I'm around people who aren't. And your philosophy, your mindset really speaks volumes about why you've been around so long and coached and been so successful. Well, I know this much. I, I think you can't do it without great young men, and I think I've done a pretty good job of finding out who those are and uh, tried to build my, uh, pe- put people around me who are, are going to help make us successful. And uh, the, the new, I had to hire a new assistant coach this year, and, and – uh, He's going to be the one that follows me. You know, he's he's unbelievable. Of course, he grew up at Mid America, and uh, we're so proud of him and, and the job he's doing for us already. But it's fun to watch. We talked about it earlier about our coaching, my coaching tree. There's so many kids out there who are coaching basketball or coaching it the right way, and it's amazing to see how successful they're being away from Mid America. How do you build confidence, and how do you destroy it, in young men? Well, like we talked about right beforehand, I think you have to have nine pat on the backs. You know, for each time you unload on them. Because if you're telling them over and over again, because each time a kid does something good, and sometimes it's just the right pass. I mean, that doesn't lead to a score. But it's the pass that leads to the pass that leads to the score. You know, make sure they know how important that is. And and it's okay to go overboard on it a little bit. You know, and I encourage my kids who are becoming leaders, like when – they catch a pass from somebody. Maybe it's not a good pass, and they're able to finish the shot anyway and score the basket. They should immediately turn to the guy and say, man, it's a great pass, just so you can help each other, build each other up. and Because um, you do that over and over and over again, and then when they mess up over and over and over again, you have the right to say, hey, that's got to stop. And I think that's the best way to handle things. You know, Kobe Bryant broke a record two years before he retired. You know what that was? I don't. Most missed shots in the history of the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> then he played two more years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that saying to you when you hear something like that? Well, you know, there was a commercial one time about Michael Jordan and how many shots he missed that would have won the game, like 90. Yeah, that would have yeah. won. It's just unbelievable. Well, you you cannot dwell on mistakes. You have to move on, you know. And a common theme is make the next play, you know. And so hopefully we teach kids that, hey, when you make an error, if you worry about making an error, there's going to be another one, and there's going to be another one, and there's going to be another one. Instead, make the next play. See what you can do to make the guy next to you better, even while you're not feeling well about yourself. That's interesting because you say that because I have uh, lots of acronyms and things that I use with my clients. One of the things I, I always tell people is, is TNP or TNS, the next player, the next shot. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, write that on your glove, write that on on your shoe, write that somewhere. Focus on what's in front of you, not behind you. I say, when you're driving a car, where do you look? Out the front windshield, not the rearview mirror. If you're looking out the rearview mirror, you're going to crash. Well, it's the same thing, right? Oh, yeah. With sports. Looking out the rearview mirror, you're going to crash. It's pretty good. So I mentioned free throw shooting before we went to our break here. So tell us a little bit about how you do it, because when I worked with the University of Kansas back in the 80s, we led the Big 8 men's and women's teams in free throw shooting. I worked with Coach Larry Brown and Coach Marion Washington. I love Marion Washington, one of the best people I've ever known, and Got to know Lynette Woodard, who one of the, one of the greatest athletes ever to play at University of Kansas, and a quality, quality young woman. But Calvin Thompson had the record for most uh, consecutive free throws. It'll always be a Big Eight record because there's no more Big Eight unless they change back to it, which who knows. <laughs> good. Um, but how do you teach? Because you're so darn good at that. How do you teach free throw shooting? Because it's it, to me, it's about visualization and about concentration and focus. Well, we tell them to do their own routine. And whatever they do, don't cheat. Don't have a different shot for a free throw or a jump shot or whatever. You should shoot the same shot. Um, and of course, we say you, you got to concentrate. You know, and um, I, I tell them. Of course, the first thing I tell them is go to the nail hole. You know, and you, you tell a kid. Some kids that come in and say, "What in the world are you talking about?" Well, you shoot from the ball from the middle of the free throw line. Well, the middle of the free throw line, there's a nail hole there. You know, and it's all at all of them. And so you go there and. And so kids, when I'm teaching them free throw shooting, and I'll go there and I say, now, if you do this enough time, repetition, shoot the same way over and over and over again. You go there, you should be able to close your eyes and shoot it, you know, and it should go in. And, you know, when Michael Jordan made the free throw with his eyes closed, you know, you sit there and go, people think, wow, 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 that's not that big a deal because you're shooting the same shot. Will you, sh- will you share the story you told me before <laughs> you came on the air? Well, uh, it's it's a funny one, but um, we do a we do a free throw-a-thon each year, or we had, we didn't, had, didn't do it during COVID, where we try to raise money because we're always trying to raise money for our program, and we make the kids make 100 free throws. Well, I just had my knee replaced in August of 2015, and we had our free throw-a-thon th- in October, and the best that our kids did was they made 100 out of 109, and I told them, I said, man, that's that's not that good, <laughs> and you know, and, and the kids are going, "What?" And I go, "I, I can make a hundred out of one hundred nine with uh, with a fake knee." And so, uh, I think I was seventy five of eighty four. Hudson Welty, by the way, who's one of my coaches, who's uh, one of my kids who grew up uh, at Mid America too, and he's the assistant coach now at Arizona Christian in uh, Surprise, Arizona. And um, anyway, he's rebounding. I said, "You have to rebound for me." And so I'd made 75 of 84, and Hudson immediately goes, hey, coach, you know what you got to do? And I said, I know what I have to do. So on the 25th one, I kind of went, you know, and gave him a little fist bump, and he starts to walk away. And I said, now hold it. You don't leave in the middle of a string. And so I made him stay there, and uh, we went ahead and reeled off 69 more in a row and ended up with 94. And I talk all the time about visualization. And do you apply that with what you, what you use your kids? You know, see, see it before you do it. Oh, I, I think that's very good. Um, I don't know if I say those particular words or not. You know, I tell them pick out a spot, and I want that spot to be the front of the back rim and, and try to hit the front of the back rim. It's going to go in. Yeah, so you're, you're, that's exactly yeah, what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to so. me, it's in, in uh, the research, when I started back in 1979, 78, 79 in grad school, learning about sports psychology, visualization was something that, that really intrigued me, and I started doing that with my tennis game. And it made such a big difference when you when you see it see it before you do it have that positive image in your mind. If well, you could have negative visualization too. But if you do the positive, it, it increases the chance of success. And the research has found that people who visualize 
have close to an 85 to 90 percent greater chance of success than ones who don't. Years ago, when I came back from grad school, uh, I was at the club that I belonged to, and I had been home. This is my first summer home, and I was having lunch, and there was a late, there was a ladies' tournament going on, and one of the, the uh, ladies came over to me and says, "You've got to help me. You know, number 15. You know that big lake down there." I hit the ball into the lake. I won't use the, the expletive she used all the time, but she was tired of hitting the ball in the lake all the time. And I said, what lake? And she goes, the lake on 15. I said, okay, when you hit, because the women's tees were way up close. She hits her drive down. And there's a big hill. It goes down in front of the lake. I said, you can hit it. It's a par five. You can hit it on two. I said, it's what? how far is it, Patty? About 80 yards over that lake. She goes, yeah, what do you hit? Oh, an easy wedge. I said, well, hit, hit an easy wedge 80 yards. What about the lake? And I said, what lake? And she looked at me. She goes, oh. <laughs> So a couple hours later, she came back yelling my name, and she found me, and she goes, I eagle the hole, eagle the hole. To this day, so I have some friends out in Palm Springs who last winter said she still talks about that because she visualized hitting the ball where she wanted to hit it, not hitting it into the water, so not doing the negative. And oh, that, yeah. that's the same thing with Oh, me. yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You can't be worried about, you know, keep your eyes on the front of the back rim. Two, two bounces, front of the back rim. Let me ask you before we wrap up, I want to ask you three definitions. First, what's your definition of winning? Um, my definition of winning is what are you going to do, you know, after you're through with what you're doing right then. That's your definition of winning. You're not, not being stuck on winning or losing. What's your definition of losing? My definition of losing is to let a mistake stay with you. Move I like on. that. And your definition of self-confidence? Uh, knowing that you're going to do the best that you possibly can. In every situation. Coach, I want to say I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you this morning. This has been great. I love your philosophy. I love your mindset. Obviously, it's it's reflective on your your successes and your record, but it talks really, really more than anything else about you as a person and the fact you have so many young men who coached with you, coached, who are now coaching and are going to keep coaching. And the impact you've had on so many people, especially here in the Kansas City area, your, your reputation is stellar. You've done a great job. We'll have to go play golf. When I, when I get the uh, surgery I had done on my hand fixed up. And um, this has been a great interview. People want to get a hold of you, Coach. How can they reach you? Oh, uh, they can reach me at the – I'll just give – well, I don't want to give my cell number, but, but they can reach me at the school, 913-971-3278. Just call the basketball office. And call the basketball go. office, yeah. Coach Rockley Lamar. R. Lamar at mnu.edu. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you. Yeah. Coach Rockley Lamar, this has been a fascinating interview. I really appreciate you coming on. I'd love to talk to you again. I, I think you're, the things you've taught people are reflective of the type of person you are, and I love talking with people like you. And so thank you so much for coming in today and joining me. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. There are a lot of ways you can reach me. Follow me on Twitter at DRJ Sports Psych. My office number is 816-561-5556. You can reach me there. Go to my website, winnersunlimited.com. Go to the podcast page. Click it on, and you can find eight to nine years of podcasts on there. Coach Rocket and Mar, it's been great having you here. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.